When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. I'm Jason Whitlock, and this is your Friday <coughs> weekend here, baby edition of what? What are you clearing your throat for? <coughs> Everybody knows you're here. Well, I damn it, say my name with your chest down. Uncle Jimmy's here on this Friday. So, uh, all right, we have a fantastic show planned for you. Delano Squires will join us later in the show and talk with us about Corey Bush and the rapper. The baby. Have you heard of the rapper The Baby? Yeah, man. You have? Yeah, man. I, yeah, I, I met just... the rapper The Baby. Huh? I met the rapper The you Baby. You did? And the rapper The Baby gave me the brush off. Oh. <laughs> I asked the rapper for a picture. He like, all right, I'll be right back. And next thing I know, I saw him on the little cart driving off. And when I told my son about it, he's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't take pictures, Dad. <laughs> I'm like, well, you little... The Probably. baby gave you the brush off, huh? The, the, the baby, the little bastard, gave me the brush off. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The little fatherless child. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, and Greg Couch is going to join us from uh, Chicago after I start this fire. All right, you don't have to agree with Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins' decision to remain unvaccinated against COVID-19. Here we go. But you should respect his courage and conviction. You know who it reminds me of, Jim? Who, Jason? Muhammad Ali, the black Superman. He floats like a butterfly and stings like, like a, a bee. bee. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Cousins, Muhammad Ali. Yes, I said that. I, I... Cousins spent a week in the NFL's COVID-19 penalty box. That's what they call the reserve COVID-19 list. A Vikings backup quarterback, Kellen Mond, tested positive for COVID. Cousins came in close contact with Mon, and because of that, Cousins is, because he's unvaccinated, he was sent home and unable to practice with the team. The 32-year-old quarterback missed four practices. He said, quote, it was disappointing to miss practice. Uh, he said this yesterday when he was finally allowed to return to practice. Then he went on to say, in my entire college and pro career, I have not missed four practices. So to miss four practices in one week and not have COVID was very frustrating and disappointing. End quote. Cousins told the media he remains committed to not taking the vaccine. He said he will follow the league's burdensome protocols for unvaccinated players. This pronouncement has put him in the corporate and social media crosshairs. Everybody's mad at Kirk Cousins. He will likely remain a target of the vax mob throughout the season. Cousins signed a two-year, $66 million contract extension last year. The big paycheck puts a big target on Cousins' back. But there was a time, not that long ago, when small segments of the mainstream media would rally around a public figure willing to defy the establishment and risk ridicule. Okay. 
You know who that was, Jim? I've already said it. I'm seeing where you're going here. Muhammad Ali, the black Superman. He floats like a butterfly. He stings like a bee. In fact... I wish you'd stop comparing that man to Muhammad Ali. Come on, man. (laughs) Look, Cousins' noncompliance is analogous to Ali's bold stance to reject induction into the military. Ali stood on religious principle and common sense. He said, quote, I am a member of the black Muslims and we don't go to no wars unless they're declared by Allah himself. Ali told that to a friend of mine, Robert Lipsight, who was a New York Times columnist at the time when he said that back in 1967. Ali then went on to say, I don't have no personal quarrel with those Viet Congs. Let me give you a little bit of history here, Jim. A lot of people think that Muhammad Ali said, uh, no Viet Cong ever called, called me, me the N-word. N-word. And that's not what he said. Come on, that's bro. not what happened. Talk to me. Let me see what you Hollywood know. And- Let me see what you know. <laughs> Impress me, man. Come on. He didn't say it. Okay. Look, that was a Hollywood and corporate media fabrication. Back then. It was popular hey. among anti-war Vietnam protesters mm. to say back then, Viet Cong ain't ever called me the N-word. Somebody was like using it on a sign at protest or whatever. And the media and Hollywood attached that statement to Ali to give it, to give the declaration more weight and more traction. They wanted to popularize it. Let's move back to Kirk Cousins. He and other healthy in their prime professional athletes have no quarrel with those coronaviruses. No coronaviruses ever called an NFL quarterback to a hospital bed. You, you see what I did there? <laughs> Hold on. Did you see what I did there? Why you a mess, man? No coronavirus ever called an NFL, NFL quarterback play. to a hospital bed. Yeah. And he has no quarrel with the coronavirus. And nor should he. He's 32. He's in his prime. He's just like another quarterback in the NFL. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson has tested positive for the corona twice. Maryland's Republican governor, Larry Hogan, is trying to pressure Jackson into getting the vaccine. He issued a statement two days ago about Jackson's vax status. Listen to, look, listen to this subtle pressure he puts on him. With the rules the NFL put down, I can't imagine a team wanting to forfeit a game or lose a chance in the playoffs and none of the players getting paid because someone won't get a vaccine. Larry Hogan said, the Republican governor of Maryland. The criticism, though, of Jackson will be muted. Too high risk. He's black, and we know corporate and social media fear criticizing black people. That's racist. Cousins doesn't have the right complexion for that connection. His critics are free to lambaste him however they please. Cousins' dad is apparently fair game. The anti-Trump, pro-Colin Kaepernick Twitter feed, Resist Programming, spent much of yesterday attacking Don Cousins, Kirk's dad, a minister who is a minister at Discovery Church in Orlando. Oh boy. To his more than one million followers, former NBA player turned left-wing Twitter troll Rex Chapman, recirculated a video of Don Cousins complaining during a sermon that is tough to hear the voice of God because cancel culture and critical race theory 
are so pervasive throughout our society and academia. But let's take a listen to the controversial words of uh, Kirk Cousins' dad, Don. Take a listen for yourself. You have my attention. Franz Alexander the Great had an agenda. Adolf Hitler had an agenda. Satan has an agenda. And he controls the institutions of the world to message you and me. And in the midst of that, it's tough to hear the voice of God. I don't want to go down the road of all the implications that we're facing today in our country. But with regard to education, for example, friends, our textbooks are being rewritten. History is being changed. Culture is being canceled. Uh, we have statues of people being torn down. Religion is being silenced as God is being removed from our culture. And prayer has been banned from schools. Athletics, if you're at all tuned into pro sports these days and what's unfolding there, you know the platform that's taking place. Friends, the voice of God's enemy through the platforms of the world is loud and it is dominant. So if you do not make every effort to hear the voice of God, you will be seduced to believe the messaging of the world. Don Cousins sounds a lot like Jason Whitlock. Right. He doesn't sound much different than me in things that I say and believe. But according to Twitter, Don Cousins' religious beliefs are a bad look for Kirk Cousins. You know, the same way Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X's religious beliefs were a bad look for Muhammad Ali, the black Superman, floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. This isn't about whether you believe in Ali's anti-war stance or his religious convictions. This is about consistency of point of view. You can't pretend to love Muhammad Ali and hate Kirk Cousins. It's inconsistent. Ooh. I can hear my critics now. Yes. Can you not hear them right now, Jim? They're chasing. It's inconsistent for you. Right, that to respect that, that Ali. That cost you about 100 Twitter followers. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> to ahead. respect Ali and ridicule Colin Kaepernick. Mm. <sighs> no, it's not. Ali stood on his religious convictions. Go ahead. Whether I agree with those convictions, whether I agree with the Nation of Islam, that doesn't matter, it's irrelevant to me respecting Ali or any man or woman for upholding their religious tenets. Kaepernick, as far as I know, stands on no religious principle. He's a Marxist tool, a communist, a sympathizer for socialism, communism. Those people don't believe in God. Black Lives Matter is an atheist movement. Kaepernick's stance was far more opportunistic than principle. Ali actually believed in his actions. So does Kirk Cousins. His father in Christianity taught Cousins not to be controlled by irrational fear. Fear is what is driving vaccination insanity. Cousins does not fit the profile of someone who could be harmed by COVID. I do. I fit that profile, not Kirk Cousins. It makes perfect sense for Kirk Cousins to be reluctant to inject an experimental, non-FDA approved drug into his healthy body. The people pressuring him to do so are unconcerned with Cousins' health or the health of Cousins' family. 
they're concerned about themselves. And that includes Cousins' head coach, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. Zimmer wants things to be easier for the Vikings and himself. The rest of the Vax mob just wants Cousins and everyone else to take the same risk they have in taking the experimental jab. It's a cult applying pressure to non-believers. I respect Cousins' decision to stand firm in his beliefs. Woo! Uncle Jimmy. My guy. Are you a part of the Vax mob cult that wants, <laughs> I took it, so everybody's got to take it. I'm taking the risk. Everybody's got to take the risk. That's what this is all about. It's not about public safety. It's not, this dude is 32 years old in great physical condition. He's not some 50-year-old fat guy like me. If he don't want to take the vaccine, we need to leave this man alone, and the NFL needs to leave him alone. Um, I know, I know we're not supposed to have this conversation. We're not. This, once again, this is something we ain't supposed to talk about. I listened to a guy, I ain't going to say it was, an old guy of predominantly minority descent. And I was hearing him talk about, well, I took the shot, and I took the shot, and I didn't. Hey, man, you took the shot. Hey, bro, that's your business. You know why a lot of these people taking shots, Jason? A lot of these people's taking the shots because they don't want to die. You know why they don't want to die? Because they're afraid they're going to have to meet Jesus, and they're going to have to be held accountable. Hey, man. That, this is why, this is why I, I, I can't help you. I'm good. And see, I, I hate to I hate to say this. I hate to say this because you the first person I heard say this. Because I remember when this thing happened in LA, you told me, you said, Jim, you can't say that you believe in God and you run around here afraid to walk outside. Remember that? You told matter of fact, matter of fact, you told me, Jim, you don't come out of the house for dinner. Don't ever ask to come to my apartment no more. <laughs> and then you moved. <laughs> but no, man, I I, I just it's your bit. Everybody has their own re- but hey, for Due to the fact that you're trying to force it on me so bad right now, it's just only natural in me to start getting real nervous. Like, why? Why? I need to know why all of a sudden, I as a black man, why should I start believing that white people have my best interest at heart? Why should I? You told a few years ago, y'all told me all white people want to do is kill me. So now I'm supposed to believe you that you want me to live longer. I'm just asking. I think it's a fair question. Now, look, look, there's one bright side to it. Look at it like this. You get the shot, you'll never lose your car keys again. <laughs> you just stick them right here and they just stick to you. <laughs> You're probably going to get us in trouble for saying that about the, about the jab. I'm sorry, man. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I... I ain't gonna go there, but where I am. Hey, let me crack another joke. Let yeah, me crack another yeah. joke. At, at least if you get the shot, you won't be like, well, I got the Corona shot, and I feel a whole lot better right now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be. One of my partners just got the shot last week, knocked him off his feet for five days. Can I, sit, can I tell you something? Honest, yeah. honest to goodness, I, I promise. I just talked to a partner right now. Uh, I'm not even gonna say your name, bro, get well. Hmm. And, I, and I've, I FaceTimed him, one of my deputies. I'm like, bro, you look like hell. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And I swear, man, dude said this morning, I have corona. 
promise to God. He said, I have Corona. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, man, we're talking about that today. And I was backing off. And I said, so now you're going to get the shot. He said, oh, hell no. So he got Corona. But he said, they ain't giving me that shot. He said, I'm getting, he said, I've had it for about a week. I'm on the upside. I'm getting ready to get well. But I ain't taking that shot. Now, this dude got Corona. He said, but y'all ain't giving me that shot. Now, I'm just telling you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I think there is some science that says that if you get it and recover, you have the antibodies and your immune system can, can fight it off. I think there's some science that suggests... You know, we're going to look crazy as hell when we... Well, we ain't got no episode of Fearless today. Uncle Jimmy and Whitlock is both <laughs> laying up on incubators. <laughs> Here's what I have said, Jim. Here's what I have said, and, and, and I say this in all seriousness. If, 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 if I die of corona, if I leave this studio and die of a heart attack, it's on me. You know what my blood pressure is right now? It's I'm 10 over 140. Right now. <laughs> right now. It's Again, that's what I'm saying. It's on me. Anything that happens to me, it's on me. Don't blame the vaccine. Don't blame, don't blame Corona. Don't blame Wuhan. Don't blame me. And I'm saying that to say I get where Kirk Cousins is coming from in terms of the faith that his father and family instilled in him and his approach to life is fearless. And some people consider that stupid, but in Kirk Cousins' mind, it's like, well, hold on, man. He feels that God equipped him with a system, an immune system, and if he made some, the right choices, uh, he, his immune system will handle anything that man creates. He, 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 he believes in that higher power. And then at 32, I think we should really allow him to think that because I just don't know if there's a great deal of evidence that people in that age bracket and given his physical condition, I just don't know if there's have been many of them that have died from Corona. I, I'm not sure if they're carriers, super spreaders or whatever. And, and you can sit there and say, well, He's got to be concerned about all the people he's working with on the team and he's being selfish. But, but I just think when it comes to your health, I think you have a right to be selfish. I, I think that's one of the freedoms this country grants you when it comes to your health. That's it gets to be all about you. That's what and, and, and when we have established this precedent of my body, my choice, uh, as it relates to abortion. So Damn. You, you can, and again, there's a lot of people. Now, there, there you go right there. Now, you, now, would you repeat that again? Now, you repeat it, repeat that one again. Well, again, repeat that my again. body, my choice is the standard we've adopted as it relates to abortion. And for a lot of people, and I would be one of the people included in this list, uh, abortion is a form of murder. And so a woman can say my body, my choice, but for a man, he well, can't say my body, my choice. As it relates to the vaccine, I'm just and throwing if you it play out in there. the NFL, man or woman. There you go. Work in the NFL, man well, or women woman. Women don't play in the NFL, so that don't count for them. So okay. let's. There's a, there's female employees okay. that well, are being for. I'm there's just... female on the coaching staff and the exec, they're all being forced to take the or being pressured to take the vaccine, uh, but. For, for what we're doing to these young people, and particularly if I'm Kirk Cousins, 
I'm just like, well, hold on, man. He may not be done having kids. He may not be done with a lot of things that he doesn't want to jeopardize in any way. His body and his system, the one that God gave him, he doesn't want to jeopardize it in any way. And I get it. If I was 32, I would feel the exact same way. And I, do, I think it takes a, an incredible amount of courage to stand up, particularly at the quarterback position, particularly when you're making the kind of money he's making and he takes the kind of heat that he does because he's a, a franchise quarterback that we think, that a lot of people think uh, ha hasn't lived up to that contract. So I have a lot of respect for Kirk Cousins. I've analogized him to Muhammad Ali. We're going to roll out to uh, Chicago and see what Greg Couch, see if he agrees, disagrees. Am I crazy? Uh, couch. Well, I'm sure that that's a no-brainer right there. That he disagrees or what? No, that you crazy. Oh, yeah. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> that's a no-brainer. Greg, am I crazy for comparing Kirk Cousins to Muhammad Ali? G-Money. <laughs> I mean, you're not crazy for it. And, I mean, I see what he's what you're saying, that he's standing up for something he believes in and he's going to do it under pressure. But Cousins, you know, he isn't breaking any rules. He isn't really risking much. Uh, what he's doing could hurt other people in the eyes of other people. And I don't really necessarily feel that he's in this for others. So the comparison to Ali, I, I, have a, I, I would say that's a gross overstatement. But, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from with that. But where I do agree with you is that... Keyword, in, gross. What's that? I'm sorry. Keyword, oh, what, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. I'm where sorry, I do agree Greg. with you is that with the pressure he's feeling from the Twitter mob, I mean, I think they're fighting an ugly fight. And you don't go after a person's family. You don't go after a person's religion. And everybody knows that. And the, for some reason, the left uh, or the Twitter left is, you know, they, they've been telling us all along that this belief about the vaccine is about science. Well, going after a person's family, going after a person's religion, that's not a science thing. That's, a, that's just a personal attack. And it's a stupid move anyway from them because what they always do is argue that 40% of the country is stupid. And that's, that's actually how Trump became president because people were sick of hearing people tell them that they're stupid. So I, I think this is a bad argument. It's a losing argument from the left. On the other side of it, though, where I disagree also is I think the NFL is right for what they're doing. They're, they're the, this is a policy. No one's forcing Kirk Cousins to get the shot, okay? They're telling him, you know, if you don't get the shot, you could your team could be punished for it and, and, and other issues could come up from it. That's fine. That's not forcing him. The government's not coming in and taking him to jail. They're doing a business decision or a business making a business decision. And what we heard all last year uh, when the COVID started was let's get out of the way of businesses. Let's let them do what they think they need to do. And that's what's happening here. You know, we saw a couple of years ago, there was a bakery that didn't want to have a, make a cake for a gay marriage. Well, that was a business decision. The NFL is doing what they think they need to do. They're, they want players to get the shots. They want their players on the field. They want the commercials on TV. They want tickets sold. I don't have any problem with what they're doing. So I think there's a hypocrisy actually going on both sides of this. I, I want to go back to something you said, and then I'm going to jump back to what you, your defense of the NFL. But you seem to indicate that Kirk Cousins is doing this totally out of concern for Kirk Cousins and not others. And you seem to indicate that Muhammad Ali, his stance was about others. I disagree. There was only, Ali was the only guy getting drafted. 
he was doing what was in Ali's best interest and consistent with his religious point of view at that time. I don't think Muhammad Ali, as it related to the draft, I don't think he cared about Vietnam. I don't think he cared about other people that went off to Vietnam. I think he didn't want to go. Well, I mean, that could be. I mean, I don't know. He seemed to be standing up for a religious belief, and that stands up for the group of people. That's not just himself. I mean, what, Cousins, are you going to say that he's standing up for people who are against the vaccine? I mean, is that your argument? Because I, I, I haven't really heard that argument. Kind of. I, he's I kind like of he standing just, up for the people that are against the vaccine. There's several NFL players who are beginning to kind of stand up. He's just not going with the norm. I'm sorry, Jason. But what's he risking? Greg, I tend to agree with Uncle Jim. Well, that's a fair question. Name shaming? No, no, no. What he's risking is the attack that's now being leveled against his dad. Uh, He makes 30-some-odd million dollars a year. He could potentially be less valuable to the Vikings moving forward if he keeps refusing to get this vaccine. And so maybe he won't get another huge contract because like, oh, he's an unvaccinated player. There's all these complications to unvaccinated players. He may shorten his NFL career. It's no different than Cole Beasley, the Buffalo Bills wide receiver that was like, look, I'm cool. If, if, if this Andre forces Rock. me out of the league, I'm cool with that. I'll I'll retire. He may shorten his career. And look, the way quarterbacks, Tom Brady and these guys are playing into their 40s, that could be shortening his career by seven, eight, nine, ten years. That's a lot of money in today's NFL with the way they're paying mediocre quarterbacks, 20 million, 30 million. And so I think he's risking his money. He's I, I guarantee you the way the these people over social media and other the, the pro-vax mob, his kids may face some ridicule at school. His wife may face some public ridicule. They've already gone off after his dad. Is he facing jail time like Ali was and avoided? No. Uh, is his life in jeopardy where Ali probably faced death threats at that time? I don't think Kirk Cousins' life in jeopardy, is in jeopardy. The stakes aren't as high, but I do think the stance is just as principled and there is risk to it. And Greg, I also think that uh, some of these players are taking bullets for the rest of the guys in the NFL. I, I bet you 70% of the NFL is vaccinated. Uh, I bet you of that 70%, 40% of them did it under pressure. They didn't really want to, maybe even a higher number. Who, 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 is it Jimmy Graham? Is he with the Bears now yeah. that, that basically said, yeah, Jimmy Graham basically said that, you know, he didn't want to take the vaccine. He did it, you know, under duress and under pressure. He wanted to play. And, and now even for vaccinated players, the stakes are much higher. This guy could get fined as, as much as 150,000 bucks for violating one of these protocols. So that would be my pushback. That would be my defense of Kirk Cousins. But he isn't breaking any rules, right? He's following the rules of the NFL. And he's not standing, he's not telling anyone to break rules. He's just saying, I'm gonna follow the rules the way I see him. I mean, Ali, Ali was violating the law. He was violating the rules. Cousins, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I agree with you. He's standing up on a principle and he's taking a beating for it unfairly. I agree with you on that. 
I just think that the, the, to compare to Ali is just such a, a an overstatement. I mean, what could have you say he's going to lose money? I mean, why? He's not breaking rules. I mean, he's he's just going within within the rules. And also, the other thing is, any job you have to do things that you don't want to do. That's just that's just the way it is. I mean, if you don't want to follow the rules of your employer, including in. Go ahead. Look, there's a lot of jobs, and I hope I'm about to, I'm not about to say something to get me in trouble, but. The only jobs I know that require you to inject things into your body, uh, the Me Too movement has put a stop to that. And uh, (laughs) other than that, I don't know of any job where I've been asked, and not that I was asked, uh, (laughs) but I just don't know any other job where they're asking people to inject things into their body. Uh, Now look, you may have to report to work at a time you don't want to, you may have to fill out some paperwork you don't want to. Uh, maybe you deal with a bad boss or whatever, but injecting a chemical, an experimental chemical into your body, that's, that's a bridge too far for some people. Well, and, I agree. And yeah, but I, no, I, I think... No one's what? No one's making him do it. He doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to get the shot. This is just the rule. This is just a, a, a company rule. It's a business decision made by his business. No one's forcing Kirk Cousins to get a shot. Not only that, he's staying within the rules by not getting the shot. I get it. They're making things very hard on the guy. Uh, I, I think the NFL is out of bounds. I think the NFL PA uh, looks weak on this. They should be providing their unvaccinated players more support and more pushback. They just went through an entire 2020 season when the pandemic was really wild and out of control and people were dropping dead and and you know and now here we come back in 21 and the 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 pandemic isn't nearly as bad. It doesn't seem nearly as deadly. It's not as pervasive and 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 they're asking him they're insisting that people take uh, this vaccine and they still, again, the other thing is they just haven't shown me any of these in their prime 21 to 40 year old athletes. And maybe I've missed it. Have, are any of them in hospital beds? L- Lamar Jackson's had it twice and he still doesn't want to get the shot. That, to me, indicates when, when you're that young and in your prime, I think for people over 40, and I hate to say it, but people over 40 should probably take the shot. People 40 and under, and particularly those that are in the kind of shape as professional athletes, I get why they're reluctant to take the shot. I don't know if it's really for them. If, and particularly for these young people that haven't had kids and things like that, I just anyway, I want to move on because you've written a terrific column about something else uh, that I find uh, fascinating. Greg wrote a column, Jimmy, that says one of the reasons why the Olympics aren't connecting the way they used to is because we got rid of amateurism. And he, he kind of he argued that uh, the actual dream team, which is celebrated this icon- iconic moment, actually was maybe the signal to the end of 
the Olympics being as pervasively popular and as powerful as they used to be. And so, Greg, we'll start here. Do you think the return of the amateur model would improve the Olympics? <laughs> I mean, I think it would, yeah. I don't think it's possible, but I think it would. I think it, this is a ship that's already sailed, you know. I think that, you know, I, I do think that money has ruined the Olympics, and we can see it just by watching Simone Biles, Novak Djokovic, Naomi Osaka, they're, they're sort of the symbols of the sellout of the Olympic spirit. And, and I, I understand there's been money in the, in the Olympics and professionals for the last 30 years now, but it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger with the endorsement money. And when you look at those three, they did poorly. They were hyped up. They never smiled once in the Olympics. There's no spirit at all in there. I'm not even sure the men's basketball team is really into being there other than Kevin Durant. He seems to want it. Uh, but these people aren't into it. They don't want to be there. The Olympic spirit is almost dead there at the level of, of where the big money is. And it's kind of ironic in a way. It's similar to what I think we're about to see with college football in America. But what's ironic is all these years, athletes for, for you know, or 75 years, athletes at the Olympics were supposed to be amateurs, no pay. Let's keep it all even. You know, we don't need it for rich people and poor people. Let's make it even. Let's have a fair play, good spirit. It's all about healthy competition. And, and the U.S., uh, the International Olympic Committee fought for years to, to, to stand by that. And it was, let's, no money, no money, no money. And suddenly, 1968 came, and the Mexico City Olympics says, oh, boy, look at all that TV money. These people just, it, it became a mistress. The money became the mistress for the Olympic Committee, and they were cheating on their own ideals, okay? And so they took that money, and it grew and grew and grew. And what happened is, in 1988, they start thinking, well, uh, you know, if we took some of the top professionals and put them in to the Olympics, uh, we could get more TV money. It's just they just they were obsessed with the TV money. So they allow the rules to change 1988. And, this, you know, some sports sort of dip their toe into the professionalism. And then right at the same time, the timing is amazing here. Right when the U.S. did poorly in the 1988 Olympics with basketball and got the bronze medal for the first time, they said, let's do it. Let's go big. Let's put Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, the dream team. Let's go big. And they did it. And the dream team did its job too well. They kicked everyone's butt. They won every game by 32 points or more. They were amazing. And I think that just exploded the Olympics. It changed the Olympic ideal to being a cash grab. Okay. And it got bigger and bigger. And now we're all the way to the point where, I mean, it was a good one-time thing, but I don't, it just doesn't seem to matter to these people anymore. The professionals getting to the Olympics for a lot of these big dollar professionals, it's not really the goal. It's more just sort of doing what their endorsers want, what their marketers want. It's, it's just a sad kind of thing. And it's really sad watching the Olympics. And you, when you see great moments in these games, it's almost entirely about some of the lesser sports, the women's uh, wrestling or men's, um, I don't know, diving. I don't know if that's a lesser sport or not, but sports that don't get a lot of publicity during the non-Olympic years. That's the only time we ever see the Olympic spirit anymore. So I, I feel like the Olympics are ruined. And I, I mean, yeah, could you take the money out of it? Well, sure. Are these guys going to... The, the International Olympic Committee was taking bribes from different cities that wanted to host the Olympics. Now are those people going to turn around and say, you know what, we don't need all this TV money. Let's, we don't need any of this stuff. Let's go back to amateurism. Yes, I think it would really help, but no, it's just not realistic. It's never going to happen. I wish that they would start a uh, counter or a rival to, to the Olympics uh, that was amateur. And, and it wouldn't be a big deal or as big a deal as the Olympics, but it would be something that leaned into the uh, amateur ideal. Why are you laughing, Jimmy? 
Why are you laughing? Trust me, the joke that I just had would get us fired. <laughs> we'll keep going. Please. Well, let me, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you that. They do have some Olympics that's ex- the opposite of the Olympics. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll get that off air. I'll get that explanation off air. But you would have been proud of Greg if you read. Did you read his column? Why a twerk? He, 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 uh, he, he an- analogized it to Wu-Tang Clan. He did that yesterday. I know, that's the column we're talking about. Uh, okay. Oh, you had probably jokes written for that that you scrapped. Oh, man. He, I had, hey, I, he, that's because he called me to Cash, even get that analogy. Cash ruins everything around me. He called you for that? Yeah, but yeah. see, he didn't want to use mine. Oh, he, what was yours? China. China rules. China rules everything made in America. <laughs> There's probably some truth there. Greg also, uh, at, in the column, uh, says that college football, college sports are going down the same path now that they've named image and likeness and they've basically scrapped amateurism, which I think most of us believe is a good thing. But it could end up having a similar downside. Do you think our interest in college football will wane because of kicking uh, amateurism to the curb? Eventually, yeah, I think it will. But I think for now, it's just going to grow. You know, we're shrinking the pools to where all the money's going into a handful of teams, conferences. We saw where the SEC went and grabbed Oklahoma and Texas. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 are actually talking about merger. The Big 10's going to, you know, probably add some teams best they can, some of the cream of the crop teams to sort of survive. And I think we're going. We've gone from hundreds of relevant teams to 100 to 40 and I think eventually we'll just have a top 20 and it'll just be uh, you know some sort of <laughs> some sort of just small club for the top players and I think that that could winnow out a lot of the interest in the sport and meanwhile these athletes we saw a high school kid leaving uh, high school in Texas not graduating so are passing on his senior year so that he could go to play for Ohio State next year uh, Alabama quarterbacks already got a million dollars in endorsements uh, you know, again, I, I, amateurism's got lots of problems, but it also works at the same time. And so, you know, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of millions and billions of dollars out there even. And so for me to claim that the athletes shouldn't get any of it is certainly not something I want to claim. I'm just saying that the spirit is going to go. I mean, the spirit's gone in the Olympics, and I think college football is about to go the same direction. Mm, very interesting. Great job, Greg. Jason, Greg's starting to get under my nerves. How? Oh. Because if you listen to Greg, man, what the hell do we have to look forward to in the future of sports? <laughs> what do we have to look forward to? It's, it's going to the high dollar. It's going to the high bidder. Uh, Ball State is gone. No, listening it's not. To, We're listening be top to Greg. 20, yeah. You think they're going to be a top 20 in the country? This year, yeah. They'll be top 20 from the bottom up. <laughs> Let me, we got By the way, cream. Thank you. Cream. Every, uh, cream means China. Rules everything American made. Mm. Take that right, Greg. That's pretty good. That's pretty Greg's gone. I kind of like that. That's uh, pretty good. Ran him off. No, I didn't. I'm, yeah, that's pretty. Oh, Greg's here. All right, listen, I got to go, Greg. I, it's time for me to eat something. It's snack time. You know, I, after I start a fire, I need a built Greg kind of look like Method Man. <laughs> <laughs> looks like he's on meth. Is that what he said? <laughs> what the hair? I'm just, he needs a haircut. Don't you agree? Anyway, it's time for me to grab a built bar. And they like sent over. You be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, they sent over the new Rocky Road. Why do you have the Rocky Road? 
Oh, what do you, you want the Rocky Road? What? No, go ahead, bro. I noticed you. Right. Well, that's right. You got to read. You 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 make the big money. Go ahead. Look, look. I got a special package. Yeah, exactly. Yesterday's show, the Rocky Road. Bunch of stuff was inside that, but I can't wait to try this Rocky Road. Uh, Built Bar. Not only was our stock of salted caramel. <laughs> Refilled, but they also sent over. Again, I keep talking about this rocky road. I'm looking forward to trying that. I'm not going to have to look forward much longer. I don't want to cry right now. Go ahead, keep uh, on going. Okay, I'll keep on talking. All right, and that as well, and the other top nine flavors have to pick from. These protein bars shouldn't be this good. <laughs> they really they're low in calories, low in sugar and carbs. They help keep me going during the day. Built Bar is also the new official partner of the U.S. Olympic track and field team for this year's Summer Olympics. Games in Tokyo going on right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at Built.com. All right, welcome back. Jason Whitlock, Uncle Jimmy here, fearless with Jason Whitlock. Did I just screw this up? No. Anyway, it's time now to bring in our main man, the smartest man on the show. Baby D. Delano. <laughs> you called him Baby D? Baby D. Ain't that from the movie Friday? Yeah. I call him Professor D. Well, I call him Baby because he always be dropping them little snacks, them little sweets. <laughs> <laughs> them little nuggets. <laughs> anyway, Delano Squires. The man that Jimmy and I used to aspire to be, but, you know, back when I was in my third. By the way, can I ask why his intro music sounds better than ours? It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Did you hear that intro? It was pretty good. All right, dude, man. Hip. Come on, man. Y'all it sound kind of hooked. We hyping this dude up a little too much now. I agree. I agree. Hey, Delano wrote an interesting <laughs> column today uh, titled, Corey Bush and rapper DaBaby Demonstrate Why We Must Enforce Standards Within the Black Community. Delano, I want to read you uh, the excerpt that I want to start off talking about. You quoted uh, former TMZ personality uh, Van Lathan. Van former. Lathan. Former. Yeah, former TMZ person. He got booted off for doing something I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, he's tight with Marcellus. Van's one of Marcellus's boys. I was on his show. boy that went off on uh, Kanye. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He went off on Kanye. He tried to go off on me. He had me on his podcast, thought he was going to ambush me, but... You know, he didn't know he didn't know he was messing with a heavyweight. He did not. <laughs> he got in the octagon and didn't didn't go well for him. But anyway, uh, Delano quotes him talking about Corey Bush is the representative from St. Louis. There was mm-hmm. ranting about, uh, you know, she wants to defund the police, but she's spending thousands and thousands of dollars on her own private security force. And then, of course, we've mentioned the baby, the, the rapper that made some anti LGBT type statements and now has been booted off of every concert that he was uh, supposed to be on. But anyway, Van Latham wrote this on Instagram about baby. Here's the hard truth. The festival doesn't have a soul. It's a corporate entity. That means it's cool with whatever the consumer is cool with. If we're all singing along to songs about misogyny, murder, and malice, then they figure it's cool to put it on stage. But when a community has standards about how they'll be spoken to or about, like the LGBTQ plus community obviously does, then the festival or corporate entity listens. 
It affects their ability to book other artists down the line and makes them vulnerable to boycotts, etc. If we wanted festivals to not book artists that profited in black death, mm. we'd have to set a community standard on what we accept. We won't because by and large, we like and understand the music. Found that quote fascinating, so did Delano, that's why he quoted it. Uh, Delano says he agrees with uh, Van Lathan here. We'll start there, Delano. Tell me why you agree with Van Lathan's position. Sure. I mean, his position is simple, right? People treat you in the way that you allow them to treat you. So um, we saw over the course of a week, even a little less than a week, where the baby went from a defiant rapper refusing to apologize <coughs> to you know being brought to his knees, so to speak, and having to um, apologize for the things that he said, apologize to the LGBTQ community, um, and I, and this is the perfect representation of what something we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is. I'm not of the position that the music should be banned, per se. Um, I just think that the people who buy it and the people who listen to it, and specifically in our community, the people who, in some respects, want to live it and want to emulate the culture that the baby is promoting, um, I wish that we had higher standards. And we said, we're not going to allow, we're not going to support, we're not going to platform, we're not going to mainstream, we're not going to monetize. Um, or glorify any rapper who traffics in uh, murder, misogyny, mayhem um, in our community. Anyone who who degrades black women or promotes drug abuse or or um, you know commodifies black death is someone who's not going to be welcomed. Now that doesn't mean that the music will go away necessarily, but there there are fringes in every genre, and there are things that people listen to, but everything doesn't get mainstream, right? You're not going to see. Um, the insane clown posse on, on the stage of some political rally because they're not mainstream. Same thing with uh, you know, Marilyn Manson. You're not going to see a politician or someone who's trying to reach the masses give um, that person a platform. But for some reason in our community, um, our elected officials, our cultural influencers, our uh, media establishment believe that mainstreaming these types of artists who promote this type of music and this type of culture is in the benefit of the black community. And it's up to us to set the standards to say, no, we won't accept this anymore. We tend to have uh, a standard of all money's good money. Mm. And if you're making money, it justifies any behavior. And so I think we actually, because Van's tending to argue that we don't have a standard. I actually think we do have a standard. It's just set way too low. And mm -hmm. our standard is black people, you can say any and everything about us. Black people can say it about each other. But our standard is white people, here's a list of things you can't say about us in art or music. And, and the list is pretty short. Just don't say the N-word and we're good with everything else. And I just think our standard is just way too low. Yeah, and, and, and the, the crazy part of it is um, when conservatives or people who identify as conservatives level this criticism and critique of hip-hop, um, people who identify as progressives will criticize them for trying to 
placate or or you know repeat the talking points of of white people as if the reason that we're saying we should set a higher standard for our community has something to do with somebody else and that, that happens you know time and time and again so as you said and, and i took this in, in my notes is it's it's not that we don't have a standard it's just that it's way too low and it's been low for the better part of 30 years and that's why everyone knows that um, they can pay whatever artist they want to promote whatever product they want and in the same way that the artists push products they, they're also pushing culture and execs will pay those artists um, to, to talk to us that way because they know that we will buy it now if the artists ever turned around and started criticizing or um, putting the daughters of the record executives in their videos right if it was Leo Cohen's daughter in uh, Nelly's video and he was swiping a credit down credit card down her backside my sense is that um, he would have a very very different view on the acceptability of that type of art form so in many respects when it comes to to the black community and hip-hop culture um, the standards are, are fairly low and they're fairly clear you can engage in any type of behavior on stage you can simulate sex acts you can um, you can promote violence you can you know glorify drug use and abuse to you know a generation that's already struggling with depression and anxiety what but you can't advocate any politics that are right of center or to seen as conservative um, and you can't criticize the LGBTQ community and to paraphrase uh, the rapper Bizzle, who I know you had on the show a couple of weeks ago, he said the sad thing is how fast you could diss a black queen and turn around and walk on eggshells for a drag queen. And I think that that's really where we are at this point. Because, and I'll say this, the one part of the baby's comments that people are not talking about, in which he did not get criticized for publicly, is he, he said something about people with HIV, he said something about men you know, engaging in sexual acts with other men. In the middle of that, he said something about women and, you know, their private parts. And nobody is talking about that part of his conversation. It, they, they, they choose the bookends and ignore the part in the middle. And I think that's a perfect representation of where we are as it relates to, to hip hop culture. Um, D, let me ask you a question. Just let me make sure I get this right with you. We're saying that the industry is trying to bring the baby to his knees. But at the same time, it's okay for little, little Nas X to stay on his knees, right? <laughs> Jim, save that for the end. <laughs> I'm just asking, is this what I understand you saying? In, in, Jim, in, in, in... that's a question for the end. <laughs> I, I wasn't quite done probing. But he was getting ready to answer it, Jason. I know. I want him to answer it <laughs> later at the end. That, that's how we'll sign off the interview. Just be patient. We're, we're close. Now you've done made me forget uh, my, my damn question I had for Delano. Okay, I'm sorry. You sit there and nudge me. Hey, let, let me get in here. Let me get in here. <laughs> and now you just threw me all the way off. I can't even think straight right now. He was going to answer the question, Jason. I know. That's because that's what he does. He's smart enough to answer that. But <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, I, that's why I got to learn. I got to learn my lane. Yeah. I, uh, listen. You, oh, here, here's yeah. Let me. Here's what Van Lathan said that I found really interesting. Mm -hmm. His last sentence 
We won't because by and large, we like and understand the music. Right. In ter- what do you think he's saying with that sentence? My sense is that he's saying that we understand the music, we can put it in its context, we don't really think that the rappers who traffic in, as I said, murder and mayhem, really feel that way about our community. They're just doing it because the music sounds good, the beats are catchy, and the people who listen to the music don't really um, want to see you know, violence or, or you know, women being degraded. It's just something to listen to. It's, a, it's a, almost like a guilty pleasure, right? And I don't doubt that there's some truth to that. The problem is um, when, you, when you have that type of music and that type of culture serving as at least one of the cornerstones of a, of a broader culture, um, your foundation is just going to be really weak. It's, it's like building an entire diet on fast food and junk food. Yes, if you eat certain things once in a while, it, it won't kill you, it won't harm you. But if all you eat is fast food every single day, then your body is going gonna, is gonna to react to that. And some people may have the type of metabolism where it won't affect them as much. But other people, you're going to see them have dealing with you know, chronic issues and chronic diseases over the long term. And I think that that's what you've seen in our community you know, over the last 30 years. There's, some, there's, there's plenty of black folk, upwardly mobile, middle class, who listen to you know, trap music and, and everything else. And they're not affected by it. They don't really believe it. They don't teach it to their kids. But then there are other people in our community who don't have the same sort of, um, you know, immune system or protective factors, so to speak. They may not have uh, parents who are present. They may not have strong role models. They may not have other, you know, they may not have a, a church or some other religious institution in their life. And they're vulnerable. And you can see the impact that it has on it because you always see the art imitating life and vice versa. So you, you'll see the kids in Chicago go from the, the music videos where they're flashing their guns to being shooters the next week mm. to being shot at and killed the, the following week. And as I said, that's, that's been the pattern in hip hop for the better part of 30 years. And as a dad, um, thinking you know about the, the future that my, my kids are gonna inherit, you know, I, I have a daughter and I'd rather not have her you know, having to deal with walking down the street and the guys in her community who look like her are referring to her as a, as a B or an H because that's just part of the, the normal way of interacting with women that, that you know, hip-hop culture has normalized. You know what's so crazy is the left and progressives really believe in the power of words, and that's why mm-hmm. they've spent so much resources, time, energy on being ahead of conservatives in terms of controlling language. And it's, 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 you keep calling a dog by any name. You call him Mutt, Jeff, whatever. He'll eventually answer to it. And that's my name. That's who I am. And, and I look at us and I ask us all, like, we really love this N word with the A at the end. And I go, does anyone not think that there's some sort of connection like, we're so violent with each other. We seem to have such a lack of respect 
for each other and life in general that perhaps the way we branded ourselves as the N-word is unhealthy. You made the food analogy, which, which is my go-to move, and it's one of the things that uh, I can really see here in Nashville, and I say this on all seriousness. I lived in Los Angeles and California for 10 years, and you go out there and there's a salad bar on virtually every corner, a salad place mm -hmm. on every corner. Ugh. You come here and there's a hot chicken spot called mm -hmm. Hattie B's. Or there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. Hot chicken. I don't want to call out uh, Hattie B's or any, you know put it on anybody. I'm sorry. But I'm just when you look around at the men and women. There's a street here called Broadway where everybody hangs out. It's like the Las Vegas Strip or whatever. That's, that strip of, looks completely different than walking down the street in L.A., where, mm -hmm. you know, for better or for worse, the women tend to be closer to 125 pounds. The men tend to be closer to 180 pounds. My kind of women. And you come here, and I'm just telling you, it's more, the women are, tend to be closer to 160 Yes, sir. The men <laughs> tend to Give be you a closer. little more cushion for your pushing. <laughs> the men tend to be closer to 240. And mm. it, it's just the culture I here. My game up. Go the, ahead. <laughs> the culture here is chick fried chicken, greasy food. And, and again, you sample it out in California, but it's a part of your steady diet here, and it makes right. a difference. People aren't as physically healthy. Uh, I, I want to switch to uh, Corey Bush, Delano. Uh, she, we're going to play the clip of, of what she had to say about her own private security versus defunding the police, and then I want you to react. This is the thing. I won't let them get that off. You can't get that off. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets. Corey Bush needs security because her life matters. Mm. Yours, not so much, Delano. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold it together <laughs> because um, th this type of behavior, and it's, it's very commonplace on the left, I think is absolutely despicable. Um, there are people in her district who work I'm sure extremely hard to put food on their tables. They're trying to raise their kids in, in you know, the best way they can. So oftentimes in a difficult environment, and they get to hear their elected official explain to them why she needs private security, seventy thousand dollars over the last couple of months, while they need less public safety. So from Cory Bush's perspective, Black Lives Matter, but Black elected officials' lives matter even more. And I'm tired of this type of, this, this blatant hypocrisy from the left. You see it all the time. Same, uh, last week I wrote a column about um, the, the voucher program here in D.C. and school choice. Same thing with President Obama. One of the first things he did when he came to D.C., he wanted to cut that voucher program, which serves disproportionately low-income black families. 
He did that at the same time that he refused to put his own daughters in uh, the D.C. public school system and, on top of that, paid $40,000 a year to send, send them to an exclusive private school. Um, I just, I don't understand how, again, this goes back to standards, right? How we allow people that we send to Congress to talk to us and behave, to talk to us in this way and, and behave in this way, and we just accept it. So, and, and really what I try to do in my article is to tie those two things together, the culture and the policy. Um, the baby gets on the stage and, and he gets in the studio and he promotes, as I said, you know, murder and mayhem. Cori Bush, through her policy, would make it harder for police to investigate the black people who end up getting killed, right? And make it harder to bring a measure of justice to the families who have to deal with um, violence in our, in our cities. Uh, last year, in 2020, 262 people were murdered in, in St. Louis. Um, that was a record over the past 50 years. 90% of those people were black. But when Cori Bush comes to Congress, all she talks about is white supremacy. And as I said, at some point, I hope the people in our community, not just St. Louis, but black folk, the black masses, as I say, all across the country um, realize that we're being played. Um, and, and we revolt against our leadership class because, I mean, what they're doing to us is, is really, really unconscionable. And, and at some point, we are the ones who are going to have to to make a change. Delano, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Yay. All right. You, you guys go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Need you guys to hit that subscribe, those likes, the notifications. All right. I'm told that uh, <laughs> you don't have a Bible story. You got a, you got another song. You got a, you going an oldie but a goodie flashback Fridays. Is that what? I, 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 look, it happened again. That's all I can say. You had another dream. Yeah. I had a dream. What? Did, what? Did, I, I just forgot what Biggie says. It was all a dream. Like, no, that was Martin Luther King. That was Martin Luther King. I used to be what? I used to read Word Up magazine. I used to read Word Up magazine. Yeah, I remember that. I remember Word Up. He anyway, also, he also said he was raised up on Welch's and. <laughs> free paper or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, Uncle Jimmy's got something special for us, and we got an approval rating on. Why am I forgetting? Oh, Kirk Cousins. All right, stick Damn, around. Don't go anywhere. Remember that. Welcome back. Jason Whitlock, Fearless on a Friday. Fearless on a Friday. Uncle Jimmy, uh, I'm told you have a song. You're, you're calling this Flashback Fridays now? It's not my intentions. I'm not running nothing, man. It happened. That's all I can say. Another drink, another, another song? Bro, it, it, it happened. That's all I can say. All right. You what you got? Like, you're going to like this one. All right, I you're going to like this one here. Right, Trust go, me. Go ahead. Because this one here... When you see how this one here just rolled into what we did today, you're going to love this. Because remember last time I did uh, Houdini. Yeah. Right? And I. Who you going with today? Jodeci? No, no. I got it. Because what we talking about today, we talking about the virus and everything. I got to go with Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown. I got to go with Bobby Brown. What does he have to do with the virus? 
I'm going to break it down for you? Yeah. Okay. Because remember this. B- B- Bobby had this song out. And, and remember back in the day, Bobby's beat. Tenderoni. Will you hush your face? Oh, Tenderoni is one of my favorite songs. Okay. No. All you thinking about it, you thinking of Tenderloin, not no damn Tenderoni. <laughs> damn. You ready for this, man? Check me out, man. For real. Because what I loved about Bobby was he had that beat. He said, dun, 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 dun. Remember that? And then he said, he said, get busy. He said, everybody's walking all up upon me. I'm just simply trying to live. Mm. I don't need permission to make my own decision. That's my prerogative. Right? It's my prerogative. All right. Then he said, they say I'm crazy, but I'm really just aware. That's my prerogative. They say this virus is nasty, but I don't give a damn, because down with God is who I am. And now folks is asking questions. Have I had the shot or not? Well, I got to ask the question. Have you heard about HIPAA? See, I'm just a brother, and I'm trying hard to get it right. But how can I, when all y'all do is lie, yo, everybody's coughing, all running up on me. Why don't they just let me live? Mm. I don't need permission. I've made my own decision. That's my prerogative. Now, check this out, Jason. I don't want the people, don't get me wrong, because y'all know that I'm stupid. And comedy, now that's my thing. <laughs> but all this talk of viruses is really getting me down. Because not too long ago, the big girls in Nashville started coming around, yo. Everybody's talking all this stuff about me. Why don't they just let me live? It's my prerogative if I want to hang out with big girls. I can do what I want to do. So here's what I do, nephew. Yeah. I got one 190, I got one 200. If you add it up, it comes out to 390. You know what I call that, don't you? What? Suey, suey. Come holler at your boy. Let's go. <laughs> You know, there was a part in there where I think you could have worked in prescriptions. I make my own prescriptions. <laughs> Damn, Jason, how? <laughs> Why? <laughs> we ain't making scissors. Got my penicillin. <laughs> Are you okay? But they ain't making them take herpes tests. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's next. Listen, see, next time you come have one of these dreams, Call your boy. I'm I bet hook, I won't. I'll hook you up with some lyrics, prescription. No, no. I sit alone in my room in my four-cornered <laughs> candles. <laughs> sit alone in my room. What's that? How'd that go? Oh, the ghetto yeah. what? Sit alone in my room with four-cornered... Yeah. Ghetto boys. Yeah. Come on, man. Let's go. Anyway. All right. Let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, approval rating for Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, uh, who I'm calling the anti-vax goat. He is the Muhammad Ali of the anti-vax movement. Uh, job performance, it's been pretty mediocre on the field, actually, Jim, so I, I gave him a 14. I, if I didn't like him so much, I probably gave him a 12. I gave him a 13. A 13. I can't lie. Mm. For, 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 for job performance, he had to get a 13. Uh, character, I'm really high on him. I gave him a 23, almost perfect character. 
What what are you doing here? A, what are you you gave him a one? He gets a one for character, and I got to keep it real, man. Or, or, can you honestly say he's living up to the character that the NFL is portraying for us? He's really living up to the brand that the NFL is trying to represent. He's is he living up to what, in, what the NFL is putting out? I don't think so. Okay, so he I got to give him a one. Authenticity. I think he's about as real as it can get. I'm gonna give him a 24 in authenticity. Did you see his daddy? Yeah. I give him uh, 24 myself. That, yeah, that apple didn't fall far from that tree. There did you it? go, man. All right, and it factor. Uh, what, what is this thing that he ran out the field? How you like me now? You what like is, that? Yeah, you like that. You, you like, like that? that. Uh, so I gave him a 15 for it factor. Uh, you seem real high on his it factor. I give him a 23. 23. You know I, why? why? You know why? Because you don't realize this. You know that Kirk Curtis, no matter how horrible you think he is, you know he's the seventh highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, he's getting that pay. Okay, now I don't know what the hell it is, but I damn it, he got it. He definitely got it. He definitely got it. All right, so I got him at a 76 overall, a smoke show. 61. Candlelit. Just a little candlelight. That's all. He ain't going to burn down. He ain't going to start no fire like you. He ain't no fire starter. He's no tomorrow. Damn show sure ain't. He's no tomorrow. You know, I need to call her. Nice. Hey, I don't even want to say that. She's fun. I need to call her tomorrow. She's a smoke show. Get her out to Nashville. For freedom. I want, I want, all right, it's Friday. We got freedom. We're done. We'll see you next week. We are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want.